<laughs> so it's funny because like the bar, the bar was called Harambe, and this group of guys were all at there like on a night out, and they were all called Richard. So like, because it, it was the bar, the bar has been lowered. <laughs> Topical though. Topical, yeah. like the cream I use on my nethers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nether Cream. <laughs> this week we're going to be reviewing preparations A through Z <laughs> and what they can do for you and me. Uh, welcome to Big Dumb Cast. I'm Chris. Hello, I'm Matthew. And we are both torn asunder, down under. <laughs> um, Oh, but speaking of being butthurt, oh, guess who's butthurt this week? Oh, is it? Uh, is it? Uh, is it the internet? It's the internet oh, and all internet. the racists therein. <laughs> you make them sound like such a happy sort of sitcom concept. <laughs> the racists on the internet. Oh, um, all the xenophobes, the xenophobes, I, and the racists too. In this week's. In this week's moment of me despairing for humanity's soul. So, rumours came out. Bear in mind, these are still rumours. These are not confirmed. That Zendaya, the Disney Channel starlet. Yes, I believe is the word. Um, She was cast in Spider-Man Homecoming ages ago. She's one of the first casting announcements. Um, As Michelle was was the name that was given on the casting. But I think it's been pretty much brought to light that a lot of those casting names, original casting names, were false. Hmm. Or placeholders. Apart from maybe um, Ned Leeds. Ned Leeds is pretty much just oh Ned yeah. Leeds. Ned Leeds is Ned Leeds. <laughs> um, Aunt May is actually April O'Neil. Um, what? what? Uh, so, I think it was a call sheet was leaked. Yeah. Which had character names on. And Zendaya was listed as Mary Jane Watson. Cue the internet going... But, but, but she's black! <laughs> and all the people, and so many people just going, me, 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 but maybe she's waiting to come and she is ready to be a black, black woman, and I don't know what it is, and it's 2016, and I can't handle diversity. <laughs> that was a direct quote from the uh, Beaker and Adam Sandler's 90s voice fan society. It just boggles my goddamn mind. That people are so hung up on this fictional character's fictional race, which has no bearing on her character whatsoever, which, alright, she may not actually have a character depending on what story you're reading. She might just be a good-looking woman, or Peter's girlfriend, or the person Peter saves, or Peter's wife, or Peter's ex-wife, or Peter's maybe-not-quite-ever-really-but-almost-ex-wife. Still not over that. <sighs> And like, you and half the comic reading community, buddy. We live in a 2016... We, we live in a 2016. Yeah, one of the we many li- parallel... We versions. live in the 2016 that we live in. Um, <laughs> if, you are, if you are in uh, or around a big city in the UK or America or Canada or most of the um, quote-unquote developed countries in the world, certainly in the Western world... You live in a very, very racially diverse multicultural society. Peter Parker of Spider-Man Homecoming goes to high school in Queens in New York in 2016. 
He's going to have a lot of black friends. He's going to have a lot of Hispanic friends. He's going to have a lot of Asian friends. In 2016, what's wrong with Mary Jane Watson being black? Nothing except your prejudice saying that it's wrong. Because it's a white girl on the pages, so it's got to be a white girl on the screen. Despite an entirely white midtown class in 2016 making no sense. Christopher, your thoughts? I like Lamp. <laughs> I love Lamp. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't have put it better myself, to be perfectly honest. It sums it up beautifully. Uh, this, this, which is a weird word to hear after all the hate and vitriol that's been bubbling around based on yeah. the internet. That is the thing. Um, a, a channel that we both are quite fond of, a, a creator on uh, YouTube, Movie Bob. Movie uh, Bob. The most Boston-sounding man on the internet. <laughs> Um, movie, but more so now that he's sort of gone on camera instead of being yeah, a voice. He just doesn't even bother with the radio voice anymore. Movie Bob summed it up very, very brilliantly in a video called um, I can't remember something like the irritating. It's not it's something. It's, the, the something Spider, Spider fans, fans yeah. Uh, where he's talking about all these people that have had have taken such offence to Mary Jane having a different ethnicity. Why? 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 I could understand if it was Black Panther. You suddenly yeah. made Black Panther a white guy. You'd Black be Panther like, needs on. to be black. His character, his, the yeah. heart of his character, the soul of his character is based on the Wakandan nation. It's based in Africa. It's based on very specific things to do with roots and history. And like, you know, it, it, that's what it is. For the exact same reason that nobody had a damn problem in 2003 when Michael Clark Duncan was the kingpin. Nope. No one went, why is the kingpin black? It's like, because he... Because he is the actor. Is the actor's black? What was the? That's that's it. That's mm-hmm. why. That's why. If you got a problem with that, if you still have a problem with that, get the fuck out and go back to the early sixties where you're still a prejudiced arsehole. And for some reason, still get away with being prejudiced. Oh well, that's the thing. In today's society, the rise of Donald Trump in in yeah, the states, and then the the Brexit vote, and the rise of isolationism in Britain, and the rise of the right wing again. All the racists are coming out from under the hot. Under the rocks they've been hiding in, and I've just spilled coffee all over my crotch. I'm so angry. Hey, that's um, fine. I'll, 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 lick, you, please, no, I'll, I'll lick it up. For um, you. I don't. Please don't. Um, <laughs> all of the racists are coming out from under the rocks that they've been hiding under. It's okay to be racist again. So people and... feel like they're justified in their xenophobic beliefs, like they're they now have yeah. a mouthpiece for it. Yeah. Which again, let us clarify: we're never going to get too political on this podcast. But like, I, I am. But like, <laughs> like, you know, we're not saying that if people voted leaving Brexit, for example, that means they're racist. What no, we're saying I is that a, was, the result a, gave a bunch of racists and xenophobes. There's a little bit of overlap confidence. on that Venn diagram, but yeah. you know, there's still apparently people who voted to leave the EU for perfectly valid reasons that have nothing to do with race. There will be people in the um, states who are voting for Trump because they feel it's the right thing to do, not because they want to, you know. Basically, start World War Three. I don't know how they're coming. Crimes. I don't know how they're coming to that conclusion. Well, don't after, um, after all those Hillary emails revealed to actually have existed. You can imagine the amount of votes going toward Trump now, just out of spite, are going to increase. God, that's depressing. But anyway, we're not going to get into American politics. No, no, that no, really no, is no. a tangent. But we're going to get into fictional American politics but, of a high school class. Yes, there <laughs> there has definitely been a rise in the last. Certainly in the UK, not so much in America, because it's always been a problem over there, even though they won't admit it. Um, but there has certainly been a rise in the uh, openness of mm. racism, racist language, racist acts and such in the UK over the last 12 to 8 months. Um, so, it's not, and then, but then you put the anonymity of the internet on top of that and it's always been a problem on the internet because if people aren't face to face with the people that they're 
abusing or disparaging, they feel like they have free license to do that. The internet is a wonderful thing, but people keep using it for terrible, terrible things. So, can we stop doing that, maybe? Can we not do that anymore? Can we just be happy that a movie in 2016, a big tentpole movie, is moving towards a diverse cast? There's nothing about, I don't know, 99% of characters in comic books which mean who are white, which mean that they have to remain white. I think the, 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 the example people use is things like, oh, well, you know, it makes it kind of makes sense for Batman to be white because he's from an old money family in America. So yeah. The, yeah. the story of how we got there. Like, but then Superman... It would be odd if one of, Super, if one of Batman's parents, or Superman... both of Batman's parents were black because it's like, well, hang on, this family's gone back all these generations. They, yeah, they, exactly. They, exactly. They, they wouldn't have built up all this wealth over the years. And that's to do with been, the, the politics. Which, again, politics, is not yeah. a statement of us saying, oh, black people can't be wealthy. We're talking about, like... He comes from that old money, like you said. Family. Yeah, American old money, where you know slavery was was much was a uh, was a huge problem. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I mean, look at Alfred. Does Superman? Need that was to... flippant. Sorry. Does, <laughs> does Superman need to be white? No. Superman can do, be whatever damn color he wants to be. The Flash doesn't need to be white. No. Uh, who else doesn't need to be white? Uh, anyone really? <laughs> uh, no one else needs to be white. Does Spider Man? Does Peter Parker need to be white? Nope. nope. Could they have cast Donald Glover as Peter Parker instead of Miles Morales? Yep. Um, you know, it's... Peter Parker doesn't need to be white. Aunt May doesn't need to be white. Mary Jane doesn't need to be white. Flash Thompson doesn't need to be white. I mean, it, it's 2016. We live in a more diverse society. Films have to start reflecting that. People are all too aware that the Hollywood machine has a problem with diversity. Just look at the fact that, oh, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson is playing a Japanese woman in a movie set in Japan. We have problems mm. with our entertainment industries right now. So, yeah. Just stop. Next. So, Zendaya, if you are Mary Jane, good luck to you. Oh, yeah, go for it. You, I think you'd be great. And since you're under the Disney-controlled version of the Sony Spider-Man, I can't wait to see what actual character and depth they actually give to you. We'll see. Yeah, well, it's going to be more than what Sony's done in the past, isn't it? I mean, a lot of that stuff is is what the actor brings to it. And if you'll excuse me, Christopher, I have to let my cat in. Because he sat, (laughs) he stood at the window, just... Staring. Just doing his thing. Oh, it's beautiful in a way. Watch him go, he's going to give me a big me... There we go. I'm going to go let him in. You talk to us more about... California Adventure? Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'll be right back. Yeah, boy! So, any fan of the Disney theme parks uh, will know that there are certain rides in multiple parks across the world which are beloved old staples of the parks. Some of them only being about 10, 15 years old, but are still old staples. One of those rides is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, which exists, I believe, in four of the parks including the two stateside parks, the uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios in Florida as part of Walt Disney World, and Disney's California Adventure in uh, in Anaheim and California on the West Coast. Now, about four or five months ago, rumours were abound that Disney California Adventure's version of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror was going to close. And people were fuming about this. They were like, why? Why would you do that? 
It's the facade of a hotel, a reception. You go through an abandoned Hollywood hotel that's apparently been abandoned for 70 years after lightning hit the side of the building and dis- like disintegrated two of the lifts, one of them containing a family within who just disappeared without a trace. And you go in the lifts and you go up and down, you're strapped to seatbelts and it's exhilarating and your stomach comes out of your arse and then out of your mouth and you feel like you've flossed yourself with your own innards. It's amazing. With the entire backdrop of the Twilight Zone and Rod Serling narration at the beginning and all this stuff, it is brilliant. It's full of Easter eggs, Twilight Zone fans. So when people found out the California one was closing, they went, what the hell? And then rumours came in that it was closing for a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. To which most people then went, oh, okay, right. Whereas a minority still went, what the hell, man? This followed on the news that Again, rumoured news that there wasn't going to be a change of any of the other Tower of Terrors. The one in Paris, the one in Florida, like, they're going to remain. They're going to stay there. It's just the California Adventure Park that is rebranding and changing its Tower of Terror to give it a fresh ride and a new reason for people to visit the park. Mmm, fresh. And then, mmm, tomatoes. That and fresh then, ride smell. And then... No vomit on this, baby. Earlier in the month, it was confirmed by Disney Imagineers that Guardians of the Galaxy Breakout, a new ride, is going to be replacing the California Tower of Terror in the earlier part of next year in the run-up to the release of the Guardians sequel. People still hate this, and I don't understand why. People hate everything. I don't get it. People it's, hate everything. It's, it's going to still use the same ride mechanic, but with some new differences. It's going to. It's going to. It's something that the Florida version of Tower of Terror has is that the ride drop sequences are different every time. Mm-hmm. It, it randomly generates a different drop sequence for your experience, so you never just have the same thing. You always have the same pre- preamble and everything, and then when it gets to the lift bit, you have no idea what's going to happen. The California one didn't have that. It was all the technology. They are going to now add that to the Guardians ride so that it's got a different ride experience every time. It will still have the same mechanics of up and down, like this this thing you're in, jolting all over the place. It's going to be set in the like a warehouse owned by the Collector, like who's moved all of his stock after the events of the first movie. And as punishment for like causing, essentially, the destruction of the place, he's now categorised and um, contained the Guardians themselves. So Rocket gets out and the ride is you guys going on this thing to basically get them out of there. So there's going to be some obviously recorded stuff and set pieces and yeah, animatronics. I think, I think James Gunn said he's, he's did, he'd filmed a bunch of it while they were doing yeah. Oh, the yeah. Guardians. And based on the, pro, based on the concept art, it's set just before sort of two, like Groot's tiny and everything. And it's, it's that kind of like, okay, it's going to meld in. Rumours are even going on that they won't, they'll do preview weeks for the ride and then the ride will launch on the night of the premiere of the second movie, which will be held at the Walt Disney Resort in California. So they'll do the premiere there, and then they'll, like, as the after-party, have a party in the California Adventure Park, including the debut, official debut of the new ride. God, I wish I could afford to do that. I know, right? <laughs> Let's get press passes. Oh. We've got, like, what, eight months to suck as many dicks as possible. Um, Absolutely so, not. Yeah. My um, lips are sealed. Mine aren't. <laughs> so... So yeah, Guys of the Galaxy Breakout. But there are still people who are fuming about this. And it's so unusual because it goes back to all the statements. Walt Disney said when he opened the first Disney park in California that he wanted the park to always change and adapt and grow and take new shapes and take on new characters and new ideas. 
so that it's never the same experience. I mean, what do you think killed Camelot? Well, well. <laughs> are we talking about the, the fictional kingdom or the theme park that may as well have been fictional because nobody ever bloody went to it? That one, that second one. That yeah! I, that I remember quite fondly. I have my memories of it, but it was terrible. Yeah. In places. We should talk more about that. We totally should. We should do a theme park episode. Screw it. We should do an episode in a theme park. A, a theme park episode. Let's, let's go to Blackpool Pleasure Beach and just set up a microphone. On that terrible sort of tunnel throughout history, tunnel of oh, ride God, yeah. that we got stuck on the last time. <laughs> oh, that was unpleasant. <laughs> oh, God. But um, Guardians Breakout, it will be good. It will be. They don't make any, they don't make rides that aren't good at Disney. They don't do that. It's not in their nature. And if they do, they slowly whittle them away. None of the rides made within the last 10, 15 years that have arrived in the last 10, 15 years have been shite. So I don't understand everybody's kind of hold up. A lot of it is they're arguing tradition. They're saying if I get rid of the Twilight Zone, you're getting rid of an aspect of the park yeah. that is sort of more traditional. You are, but the thing is, it's not been around since the fifties. This ride, it's been around since the early two thousands. It's what do you mean tradition? Oh, you get rid of the Twilight Zone? No, they're not. Twilight Zone still exists. And guess what? If you want to ride the Tower of Terror, there's still three of them around the world. Oh, with their own unique opening, or with their own unique style, or with their own unique exterior, they still exist. California Adventure is Disney's second park in California, and it's shite. Like, it was opened 15 years ago, and it's essentially just an extended amusement park with a few Disney-themed rides. And only in the last couple of years have they sort of started putting, like, Cars Land into it, and a Toy Story ride, things like that. And it's all down to the fact that John Lasseter created it in the late 90s. Not, not John Lasseter, sorry. Michael Eisner. John Lasseter's the good guy. Michael Eisner created in the 90s, the dude who sort of peddled things to shit and created the DVD sequels and all these things. Like, the guy who made every bad decision. Yeah. The reason the films of the Dis- of the 90s are good, the reason the Disney films of the 90s are brilliant, is because he didn't touch the films. He was busy be- being the businessman. Yeah. And running the business. Um, and then he started to take over of the late 90s and get his fingers in more pies, and that's when we started to get things that deviated from what we actually liked, and that's when the Disney Renaissance came to an abrupt finish. And yeah, so this guy created California Adventure. It was shite. It was pointless. For years, it's been kind of a meh. And they do events there to try and make people buy the two-part ticket deal and stuff mm. when they come. Because when people arrive, they just go into the Magic Kingdom. They just go in there and go parts of the Caribbean and Space Mountain and things like that. They wouldn't care about California Adventure. So to add rides like Guardians of the Galaxy, to have the, the Asgard... Um, the Asgard interactive area that they had a couple of years ago for Dark World there to do things like this is great. Plus, plus, no worries in Florida. You've got no fear of losing the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in Florida because in Florida, this is really nerdy shit, I apologise, Universal and their theme park own the rights to Marvel rides and attractions in Florida. They own it. That's the the Universal Lands of Adventure has the Marvel Land area with the Incredible Hulk coaster and the Spider-Man ride and Doctor Doom's Fearfall. Like they exist there. Disney are allowed to do character meet and greets in Florida with Disney characters because obviously with with Marvel characters because obviously they own them all. But they can't do rides and attractions. So Tower of Terror in Florida ain't going anywhere. Ain't going nowhere. Going nowhere. If you happen to live in Hollywood and you're like, yeah, but it means that we can't see a traditional old Hollywood hotel anymore. Yeah, you freaking can. Get in a bus. Ride down the road. There's loads of them. Get on the bus. Get on the bus, son. So uh, I like. I've not been to the California park, but I I would make a date to go sometime if I could to just try out the new ride. I'd love to go. Just to give it a go. 
We've got. We should go to Paris. I want to show you the Tower of Terror in Paris. It's that freaking amazing. Terrifying. Oh yeah, it does. Ugh. You love it, Ugh. you horn dog. Ugh. Now speaking of horn dogs, Guardians horn dogs. of the Galaxy. Oh, that was a segue to a topic we're already talking about. Hey! Guardians news from Guardians Two. Uh, God. <laughs> um. Some concepts that came out for Guardians 2. Dirty Swines. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Um, it looks pretty <laughs> cool. Yes. It's, um, you know, uh, the Guardians fighting a big monster in space. Big tentacle monster with loads of teeth. <laughs> and they've got jetpacks on. And everyone looks like everyone has already looked. It's just the, <laughs> it's just the original lineup. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> you've got no Mantis or Yondu or Nebula. So it's, Yet. It's <laughs> Drax and Gamora and Star-Lord, but with rolled up sleeves, because, of course, because why not? <laughs> um, and Rocket and Baby Groot, just being all adorable and Baby Groot. Um, do we think we're going to get Big Groot again in this movie? I don't think so. I think James, James Gunn is very keen on kind of body horror stuff and we got a tiny bit of that in the first movie with not not so much body horror body horror but like we got like nebula being dismembered like at the arm and jaw yeah, yeah. place and we got Groot stabbing people with a trail of vines and flinging them around i think he'll keep Groot small and take advantage of the creepy and creative things he could do to bad guys in that shape shape and size he's a he's a one isn't he james he's, but he's a bloody good one though. he's That's also came out on the defense of the holes and diane mary jane thing as well Good. Uh, although Hygiene. he was very careful to say, I don't know whether she is playing Mary Jane or not, because of course I know that information, but I can't say it because I'm part of the Marvel machine. Baby cakes. He was like, That's exactly how he said it, I believe. He was like, yeah, I read the script, but that was ages ago, and the names weren't all final, so. <laughs> I That's such an odd thing to say. I like. I don't know. <laughs> all, but... he, all he has to say is. If she's Mary Jane, so what? Yeah, That's but that was that was say. kind of his thing of like, if I think the way he put it was that if a character's defining trait is the color of their skin, they're not a good character. Boomtang. Also, we did look at black and Asian actors and other minorities for Star Lord, so Marvel has a policy on not doing that, not just doing, not just looking at white people all the time. Yeah. He didn't say Marvel have a policy of, of doing that, but it's implied by the fact that they looked at artists of other ethnicities for Star Lord. What I've, what I've always gathered with them on surface level, but I've never, you know, I never imagined it to be this strictly. But just basically looking at the lineup, saying Civil War, it almost looks like they focus on characters of different ethnicities from the source material to make sure that there is a wider palette of representation within I think, there. I think there's a degree of that because they certainly know there's a problem. Yeah. But at the same uh, time, like that. at the same time, you know, let's let's you know wait and see one of the big guns to be recast with a different ethnicity as them in the books. That's when it could be sort of like, oh, cool. So it is representation, like in its fullest form. Like it's not just we're playing safe by the you know material. If that makes any sense. Yeah, exactly. We're going to keep riding the Marvel train. Oh, gonna keep all night r- keep riding that Marvel train all night long because quiet cat. Oh. Quiet. Hello. He's crawling in his tunnel to sleep. Unfortunately, his tunnel is noisy as hell. Um, so... <laughs> so content. Some Thor Ragnarok set pics came out. <gasps> yes, they did indeed do. Showing the lovely Thor and Loki. 
<laughs> Floki. Floki. Um, Floki. Um, <laughs> hanging around in casual, in cash clothes. Well, casual for them. Cash. Thor's in like a hoodie and jeans. They're sort of looking like he did in Age of Ultron in that brief scene. Yeah. He's just sort of like, this I'm is Thor. how I look nothing like Thor, by looking like Thor. I and, look like in, Thor in normal clothes. In a tracksuit. Um, because I am a god. And Loki's casual clothes being an all-black, incredibly well-pressed suit hey, and long coat. listen. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I appreciate a sharp-dressing god. Alright? And he is one sharply-dressed motherfucking god. Boy, he's sharp. He's got his shit together. No, he doesn't. What's he's Loki. What's your excuse? I've pressed these pants. <laughs> I pressed these. I've only got pants. one cat hair on this T-shirt. That's that's, that's, that's a new for me. Um, but the big thing of these set pics is, is there's a one of them with Thor holding a little card. Yes. And a fan blew it up. I say blew it up in scare quotes because he could also have just digitally manipulated it. Yeah, And apparently the card reads one seven seven A Bleecker Street. Where's that, Christopher? Oh, that is the address of the Sanctum Sanctorum. The Sanctum Sanctorum, home of Doctor Strange. <laughs> so maybe we're getting magic in this Thor movie. It'd be great for us to sing in the Thor movie. I mean, we're always we're already getting Hulk. We know we're getting Hulk. My suspicion so. is, it, my suspicion actually is, it's post credits. Yeah, maybe. I think it's post credits because Natalie Portman has now confirmed this week. No, she's not in Thor three. She doesn't think she's going to return to the franchise. There's no bad blood. She just thinks her time is done. Which may be her going like, I made it clear I didn't really care. And then they've gone, all right, never mind. Then we won't write you in anymore. Yeah. And... You don't want to do this? Fine. Yeah. Don't do it. We don't need you. Which means that it's going to be a bit weird Thor not acknowledging Jane anymore. But I'm the sure same... they'll address it. Yeah, but at the same I mean, they could recast if Maggie Gyllenhaal and I Katie think... Holmes can both be Rachel! I don't, think... sure, you know, I don't think they'll recast. But... Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle can be uh, He did. Be he did... Stop. <laughs> um, stop it now. He did hint that she was off doing some massive research project in Age of Ultron. Yeah, and then, oh, well, then he... Yeah. he fucks off real quick like at the end of Age of Ultron to be like I don't know what's happening I and, need to sort uh, all this out and Ragnarok seems to up until this point take place in the different worlds of the Nine Realms yeah other than Earth uh, that's why I think this might be a post credit scene because we'll have Doctor Strange then we get thought, what's next year's run up is it, it what's next year's lineup? is it Spider-Man Homecoming Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok yes it's those three. I know that much. I don't know what the order. I don't know what order, but it's those three. But it would, I don't know what order they're in. That would seem like the logical Thor like post credit scene for me to be sort of like. See, I would because, say that because, but then, uh, well, uh, we're already going to have had Doctor Strange by that. point. Yes, we will. So we don't but, need to use a post credit scene. What was Thor doing at the end of Age of Ultron? He wanted to find out about the Infinity Stones. Yeah. Yeah. People believe that the Eye of Agamotto might actually be one of the stones. It's the time stones. The time, the time stone. stone. Well, there you go. The so stone. if Thor's going to be tracking them all down, he's going to have to talk to Stephen Strange at some point. Stephen Strange. Stephen, voice of House MD Strange. <laughs> Are you excited for Doctor Strange? I am. I'm so excited for Doctor Strange. I am. I'm not. I'm not like champ. I'm not like champing at the bit. But I'm. I'm like. I. I'm. I have. I have a chubby. (laughs) (laughs) I got a little bit of wood. A little bit of wood. Just a little bit. A little bit of wood. Uh, So yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm half asleep. I'm I'm just waking up. The sun's rays are coming through the window on a Sunday morning after an amazing Saturday night. I'm just like, "Mm." and I'm like barely like 
in the duvet. Barely dressed. Completely naked. And Doctor yeah. Strange is just gently pressing its willy up against my bum. <laughs> scenario it would probably be pressing its large warm bosoms up against my back but i don't want to deny stephen strange the option to at least ask me you don't want to you don't want to deny stephen strange never deny stephen strange i'll be like is that your wong i can feel don't deny him your bottom (laughs) my my brown eye of agamotto god how the hell did we end up here oh let's take it away from from here let's take it away from here and talk about i love dick I mean, it's not that far from what <laughs> was just being um, suggested. Amazon's new pilot season is up. Yes, it is! Um, <laughs> we've got three shows. We've got yes. I Love Dick, which kind of falls outside the purview of this podcast. It's a weird sort of feminist... It's an adaptation of a feminist novel. It's got um, it's strange and sort of disjointed and linked by narration and I can see what they're going for with it and it's interesting but I don't know if I want to keep watching more mm. of it yes. and then we've got The Tick yes we do which is another adaptation of what used to be an old it was originally an, a newsletter mascot yeah um, but <laughs> then he grew into his own comics character he got an animated series in the 90s as part of that sort of wave of um, Earthworm Jim-esque yeah, sort of quirky sort of like, not hero quirky yeah. not not quite for teens, not quite for adults. Odd characters thing, and the, the thing, the kind of thing that MTV was also doing with things like the Max and uh, Aeon Flux and things like that. Um, Some callbacks, yeah. Um, <laughs> so he was he got and Ren and Stimpy and Rocko's One Life things like that. Yeah, it was kind of a, it was it was there towards the older ones. So. And then we got a live action show with Patrick Warburton, which was insanely perfect casting yeah. when you think about it off the top of your head like and now the, the Amazon have brought us another iteration another iteration starring uh, Peter Serafinovich <laughs> as the tick who is and it's it's only about half hour long they're all only about half hour long these three pilots are there because um, this is one of those pilots think jobbies where if it gets the full series they would redo the first story anyways like the usual 45 yeah, minutes yeah. to an hour format and or they film extra scenes to pad out what they've already got and stuff. It's it's really good. It's really funny. I like it a lot. Peter Cetera which is perfect. <laughs> there's just there's just big like chunks of that pilot are just him talking to himself on a rooftop. I'm down with that. Just monologuing nonsense about <laughs> He's just wonderful. It, it, and he he's wonderful in it and the setup's interesting and it's looks to be got it looks like it could really go some places. Is Arthur good? Arthur is the main character. Arthur, thing, yeah. yeah, Arthur is your way in. It so it turns out that he is he still like a bank sort of like an accountant kind no, of. No, no, he's he's got he witnessed the the murder of the the city's last team of superheroes by the terror. Who's Jackie Hill Haley? Who's Jackie Hill Haley? In in a Magneto yeah. meets chain metal headpiece. So he was witness to that, <laughs> which has left him with some with some PTSD. So he's having trouble functioning, and he believes the terror is still out there. But as far as the world is concerned, the terror was killed by Superion, who was the first superhero who landed on Earth back in 1908, and is like kind of a Superman analog. Yeah. Um, so everyone thinks the terror is dead. Arthur, Arthur believes he's alive, and he's running the city. It's just named as the city, <laughs> um, which now doesn't have its own superhero team, so crime is running rampant uh, from underground. 
and then he encounters the tick, <laughs> who is bonkers, and just like real cloud puppy lander, played perfectly by Peter Serafinovich, and then it all kicks off from there. So that it's said, the trailer gives it, the trailer gives it like before it's been kind of like this goofy comedy, but this, the trailer gives this one almost like a slight darkly comedic edge there's, to it. There's a you bit feel of like edge maybe, to it. Why is every like the danger in this is a hundred percent real? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And our fate is in the hands of this person who may be insane. Well, the danger is not real for the tick because the tick is basically invincible. <laughs> Like, that's one of his powers. He's pretty much it's invincible. It's a brilliant shot of the guy smacking him with a lead pipe. Yeah. And it just bends on his cheek. Like, the tick, he's, <laughs> he's pretty much invincible. He's super strong. And he has drama power. So his powers get get more powerful or less powerful in direct proportion to what would be more or less dramatic for the situation. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Um, oh, which it. they kind of hint at in the in the in the show, but they don't outright say. <laughs> um, but it's they probably should because that would be the hook to commission oh, it. Man, be like the more dramatic the show gets, the more outlandish it's, it's um... going to get. So yeah, it's worth watching the tick. <laughs> and then the third pilot, which I'm really torn. I'm really torn between this one and the tick. The third pilot is Jean Claude Van Johnson, in which Jean Claude Van Damme stars. <laughs> As himself, with the conceit that, <sighs> all right, hit me. His action movie star career, and by implication, a large chunk of, if not the whole of the action movie industry, is actually a cover for his real life career as a super spy. John Claude Van Johnson. <laughs> and it opens up and he's been out of the game for a while and the pilot is about him getting back, coming out of retirement. And as, it's, as a spy? Uh, yeah. yeah okay. And an actor. Because <laughs> right. um, they use like films as covers for, yeah. for missions. But he does okay. actually make the films. Yeah. And then in between shooting goes off and does spy stuff. Um... <laughs> And I'm not going to tell you much more about it than that because okay. it's like I say, it's only half an hour. Go off and watch it. It's really funny. There's loads of like lots of sly knowing stuff about the movie industry and in jokes and things like that. Um, and constant. Ja- it's very self-deprecating. <laughs> it's incredibly self-deprecating. <laughs> Great gag. First gag in the whole show. Beautiful woman gets out of the shower. It's like, I've just come out of your shower. I'm all sticky. John Carl's lying on the bed, sort of like in his malaise, is coconut water. Your shower uses coconut water? All of the plumbing uses coconut water. And it's like palatials. It's just. It's so odd and brilliant, and I'm really torn between John Carl Van Johnson and the tick. Damn. Into which one of these I want to see get picked up, um, but it's give it a watch. It's God, damn. it's real good. It's real good. Well, I'll tell you what, let's do it this way. If we all vote for Jean Claude Van Johnson, we need to at least still write a strong letter of support about the other two shows so that it feels like it's equal. Because then we might get two shows commissioned to save on money. We'll get Jean Claude Van Johnson and I Love Tick. And that's my pun about Amazon Prime. I do love Tick. <laughs> Um, 
Oh, I mean, I love Sarah Finowich when they announced this casting. Yeah, like, that's perfect. the thing. Like, I don't, because the thing is, Patrick Warburton, that's sort of the, the personality that he's perfected in sort of his performances. Like, yeah, not, so yeah. much, not so much Joe Swanson, but like, you know, things like Kronk and characters like that. Yeah. And, and uh, Brock Sampson, characters like this. Is it Brock Sampson? From what? From Adventure Bros. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably yeah. something like that. But I'm like, not he, he's sort of you know he, he's capitalised on that big meathead who sometimes are a bit thick and, and everything. And with the tickets, but I, I vividly remember from one episode of the tick because again, like costume accuracy, they get rid of the domino mask part of the mask of the cowl. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and the because mask. they just wanted his full range of expression, which makes which sense. Which is a hell of a range. <laughs> it's a hell of a range. I just remember this one bit of him sat on the couch and he's watching Sesame Street. Grover's on the screen, like a super Grover, you know, super Grover, and he just cut, just cuts to him, look at the TV, sort of like, kind of like it's a revelation. He goes, "Father," and then why, why, <laughs> what? It's like he makes his own head cannon. Well, yeah, he doesn't. He's know. decided that's his dad. The tick doesn't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, so his dad's Grover. Yeah, apparently, he doesn't. He has he no memory his dad's of his Grover. He has no memory he's of his blown life a superhero. prior to being the tick. <laughs> But also so, they do they do lovely. Um, it's so depressingly tragic, and yet at the same time brilliantly funny. They do lovely animatronics on the antenna. They're very. Expressive. Oh, does antenna moving everything? Yeah, nice. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, so from one streaming service to another, let's go. Yeah. Let's cross over to the world of Netflix. Let's let us dive <sighs> balls deep. Okay, we're gonna get into deep. Deep spoiler territory. Yeah, we'll, we'll, so, we'll, we'll aim to keep it spoilerless for the first few minutes, and then we'll tell you when we're going to... But just as a heads up, but, we yeah. are going to be talking about, because I finally got Christopher to watch it, <laughs> the superlative Stranger Things on Netflix. On where? Netflix. Eyebrows on Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stranger Things. Oh my god, Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Drag your heels on this one, didn't you? Yeah. No, I just we we were in our house. We were going through a rewatch or a, you know a watch through for the first time for one of us a rewatch for me of Daredevil series one. So it was just a case of sitting down whenever we got time to all be in the living room watch it. And so you know it, it took a while. But it's been about two weeks rewatching Daredevil series one. The moment we finished, I turned to Lou and went, "Can we start Stranger Things now?" This is uh, night before last, and she went, uh, "Yeah, right, go on." And four hours later, we went, we should probably go to bed now. <laughs> and then last That's night... pretty much what happened with me. And, and then last yeah. night, we got back from a family do, and it was like half ten. And we went, should we watch some more Strange Things? Yeah. And she was like, probably going to go to bed, though, because I've got to be up at eight in the morning. And I was like, I've got to be heading off like at eight in the morning. I was like, okay, fair enough. We'll tell you what, if we watch some tonight, and then I'll watch some more tomorrow morning, and you can catch up that evening, and then me and Matt can talk about it in the podcast. And then at half two this morning, we both went, we should go to bed now, yeah. <laughs> Having devoured all eight episodes. Oh, my days. It it's, goes down real easy, doesn't it? It's every 80s sort of creature feature. Yeah. But with the, the sensibility and the execution of a modern day fantasy horror kind of scenario. It's the Goonies meets it. Meets Alien. Meets alien meets... The Twilight Zone. Twilight yeah. Zone's a big influence. I mean, the second episode's called, like... Um, the 
whatever. There's something yeah. on Maple Street. Yeah, the weirdo on Maple Street, which, which is a reference yeah. to the monsters. Are, the monsters are on Maple Street. There's the, there's there's references all up in the thing zoo. posters, evil dead posters, yeah. abound things reference it. There's, Actual the thing. The one of the characters is actually watching the thing. On yeah, VHS there, there, in is, one there is a bit where a character um, is sort of found in a certain state in the last episode that apes a certain uh, part of aliens. Yeah. like it's. There's just all these little things. Um, and at the same time, certain actors, the casting of certain actors kind of takes you back to that era. It took me three episodes to realise, really, in my head, that Winona Ryder was in it. And she's brilliant in this. She's excellent she's in so it. so good. I mean, a lot of people have, have criticised uh, that she's, oh, she's all one note, she only doesn't get much to do. But she's a mother who loses her child in a terrifyingly unusual circumstance and is instantly in deranged panic mode when he starts communicating to her through lights. And it's just how you're not going to be calm or happy or thinking you're going to be yeah. all, you're going to be in one terrified like hope filled malaise of fear. And you, you do get to see little bits of her outside of that situation before the events. Yeah, the show, yeah. Um, and she just. We don't write as great. Yeah, she's really good, but to the point where I didn't realize it was her for three episodes. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't even I, names showed up in the credits. Completely passed my mind. Didn't David Harbour's fabulous. He's so good. Ne- I had like had never seen him in anything before this. He's so and then good. He's just wonderful. In and it. sort of like he, it's weird because he gets lumbered. He, he's the chief, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. gets lumbered with this weird, almost stereotypical kind of tragic father story. Well, you say that, it, that, that feels like that at first. Uh, yeah, but then when you when you with it, it, yeah, works. Well. And then you almost feel like it's all like the if it were an hour and a half creature feature from the eighties, it's the sort of story they'd give to somebody to just sort of go, "He's dealt with some shit." Moving on, well, and it, then they never if, really go into if it. If it was the creature feature in the eighties, he'd be the sheriff who doesn't believe the kids. Yeah. well, he doesn't. He doesn't at first. But and then there's a point in like episode three recently, like. There's more to this, but that's that's why that's it's why so I like the series. It takes those oh, it's so good. it takes those elements, particularly of eighties genre movies, and kind of flips them. So um, sometimes, literally, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, for the ba- basic premise, for those who haven't seen it and are interested in maybe seeing it, is and you should see it because there's yeah. only eight hours of it, yeah. and it's it's not a it's not a long watch. No, um, a boy goes missing, pretty much suddenly overnight. You know, called Will. At the same time that there's some sort of event at a nearby government research facility in a small town in Indiana. So his group of friends, uh, which is Mike, Dustin and Lucas, uh, start looking for him because they can't quite believe that he's just disappeared up and disappeared. There's, you know, And his mother starts looking for him and they come across a small girl who, well, they don't come across, like they meet her after an event yeah. in a diner, which made me go, oh no! Why? Yeah. Yeah. In the first episode, like, no. Um, so their friend is missing. This girl might know where he is. She might be capable of doing some pretty strange things. She can't. She can barely speak. She has a shaved head. She yeah. has a tattoo of the number eleven on her arm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, electricity, specifically lights, back at the house of the missing kids, start to sort of communicate to the mum. Who believes that it's her son trying to get in touch with her? Add on top of this some typical eighties teenage drama going on with siblings of one of the characters and siblings of another character, and, and then a freaking creature loose in the town that seems to just be appearing and taking people, and you've got the eighties the TV series. Yes. <laughs> um. So 
If you have not seen Stranger Things yet, it's great. Stop the podcast now. Yeah, because we can't really go any further without spoilers. There's only eight episodes of it, so you can't really get deep into it without going to spoiler territory. Giggity. Go and watch Stranger Things, okay? <laughs> Alright, go and watch it. Have you watched Stranger Things? This is your final warning. Okay, Chris, let's talk about spoilers and get deep into struggle themes. So they all die. <laughs> uh, which I, didn't, I didn't see coming, I'll admit. Uh, that's a lie, they don't all die. They don't all die. Um, Not yet. Anyway. Actually, it's got a surprisingly low body count. It does, for it does. Basically, well, actually, no. Lou, I Lou, say that. Lou said it really freaked her out. She was terrified like by those kind of situations. I wasn't as terrified so much as just like impressed with the execution. Yeah. But like you say, it is a very... Small, like in terms of the violence, it's not a lot. I say there's a there's a small body count, but actually, when you think thinking about it, oh no, no. The, in that finale a, particularly, it's a small body count of people that we're aware of. Yeah, eleven kills a lot of people. Yes. Oh, oh <laughs> shit, son. Yeah. When she's th- when she oh, when God. she is threatened she flips and, out. When the, and when her friends when Mike and Lucas and Dustin are threatened, mm. she is not afraid to kill some fools. Turns up the juice and turns everyone's brains to mush. Literally. Literally crushes oh, people's brains with a, with a lovely squick sound effect. Oh, just blood coming out of the eyes and the ears and the mouth, just a slow dribble, and that slight look of panic on the uh, the Asian woman's face, yeah. and then they all just drop. Just like, there's, a, oh. there's a lovely sickening crunch sound effect. Oh man, it's just whoa. sound design on the series is amazing. The, 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 synth, the synth nearly put the me. The soundtrack's incredible. The synth nearly put me in some kind of state. It's very. <laughs> like the amount it was sort of It's very John Carpenter. Part. It's very mm. Stephen King. The the basic concept of children finding something hidden underneath a town, but not but most adults are oblivious to it, is a combination of Goonies and it. Yes, 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 um, yes. That is that. There's a beautiful summation. The Duffer Brothers apparently were angling to try and get work directing the film adaptation of it, but they weren't established enough uh, at the time, um, so they couldn't get any traction. Um, it's got it's got so much Stephen King in it. To the point where he's not afraid to actually call out Stephen King directly. Yeah. Um, well, Cujo gets a massive nod at one yeah, point. Yeah, Cujo well. gets a nod. One of the women, when they go and try and, when they go and visit Eleven's mother, mm. who, we, who we imagine is Eleven's, who we, is implied to be Eleven's mother, who's now that, catatonic. Yeah, that was the one bit of the whole series I didn't enjoy, was the random flashes to, oh, look, here's Eleven. It's like, those characters didn't live through that. And I yeah. think we viewers have already pieced it together, so I'm not sure why I you're showing us that. that is meant for people who are watching the show, not binging it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that so is the kind of thing you would get in a show if it went out an episode a week. Okay. But because enough. it's a Netflix show, you just binge the whole thing. Um, so I understand why that stuff's there. Yeah. But it's really? not necessarily, but because of the way we watch it. Felt a bit odd in that, yeah. Um, so there's a King reference there as well. Yeah, she, she literally says, hey, have you ever any Stephen King? It sounds like something that he's like... And actually, oh, shit. <laughs> his novel Firestarter is about a father and daughter and mother, but the mother gets killed off quietly in the story, who develop psychokinetic powers after being involved in the MK Ultra experiments. Bloody hell. So it's... <laughs> They've, t- they've taken that from Firestarter, which was also a movie with Drew Barrymore as the titular Firestarter really? girl, the little girl. Was she a twisted Firestarter? <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, it's the the font, the title font is the same title oh, font that wow. used to be on Stephen King books in the eighties, mm. with his name on it. Like I had a copy of Needful Things with that font on. It's like what? Um, it's 
Yeah, it's great <laughs> stuff. The monster is... They do a really good job of not showing it to you in full until really late on. Yeah. And you get glimpses of it, and you kind of, so you kind of know that it's got a roughly human shape, and it's got a sort of a head that sort head. of unfurls yeah. into petals. But you don't get a, a good look at the whole thing until right at the end. Unless you live um, in Manchester, and um, the MEN news site is on everybody's Facebook feed with that graffiti, the mural that's been put up, which yeah. is a beautiful piece of work, yeah. but the main focus of the mural is the monster's oh, God, head. Yeah. That, the hand-painted artwork for the, um, for the show on Netflix... Like the cover art for it, yeah, that's gorgeous. Oh no, oh, the, the, yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with L right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is beautiful, actually. So there's lot, um, and there's and that there's might be the thumbnail like, for this episode. Yeah, there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of spin-off stuff that use that, that people have, have done lots of art for that. There's only eight hours of this show, but it's really captured people's imaginations. I think because it because it it trades on nostalgia, but not in an exploitative way. No, it doesn't. It never hits you over the head saying, "Hey, look, this is set in the eighties. This is the eighties." But it it just it's just set in the eighties. Yes, yeah. yeah. And everything because is that seems like of... the most appropriate era to tell a story like this. Yeah, because it's a throwback story, and yeah. um, there's like there's less drama um, of Will from Beyond the Grave calling someone on their iPhone yeah. than there is his voice coming through scratchy on a walkie-talkie. Yeah, like there's 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 more oh, to that. Also, the child actors in this show. I know, right? I don't know where they found them, but they're the best child actors <laughs> I've ever seen in anything. <laughs> they're incredible, particularly Dustin. Oh, Dustin's great. <laughs> Dustin is my favorite character in anything. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown as um as Eleven, who's a British actress. Is she? She's British. Um, she's just. She's in equal parts adorable, vulnerable, incredibly strong, and terrifying. Mm. She it's it's such a great uh performance in character. And it's 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 like it's, it's like it's like a preteen see... Ripley. I was gonna say it's odd to see yeah, somebody um... right down to the alien three shaved head. Yes. It's weird um... to see somebody because I'm assuming she's about eleven. I think she's twelve. But it's weird to see someone that young and look in their eyes and go, wow, they've seen some shit. Yeah. She's like, got she conveys it brilliantly. Sort of wonderful thousand-yard stare. and um, But then she can also become incredibly vulnerable very quickly. And uh, like You completely understand why Mike takes her in. You want, yeah, you'd want absolutely. her to be safe. It seems like she's out there in the world and walking around in a bloody hospital gown, like, scared and confused. Just The, the first episode absolutely made me fall in love with her. Because yeah. the the guy at the um like the oh the the, 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 the cook at the diner the cook at the diner oh sponsor. yeah he's such a great character and as he's well. really sweet and you, the way that episode begins is you go uh, like oh right so like, is he going to be the one who brings her into the town and everything is this how our story's going to get rolling because he gets like he gets like four scenes with her yeah and you're like oh my god it's really sweet and then he gets shot in the head well they do a both a really good job with both Benny the cook and mm. Chief Hopper yeah like it's they're the eighties were a the big, big burly. Yeah, they're, 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 they're big, men, sort of, sort of yeah. rough men, and they, they look quite hard on the outside. They seem quite hard people. Hopper, particularly, is a, is a for that first couple of externally is like, a very yeah. hard man. But you later learn he's hardened because of the death of his daughter. Um, and then peeling away, peeling that away, and showing them that there's sort of something softer underneath. In stark contrast to, say, Mike's father. 
who is oblivious yeah. and kind of useless. Yeah. Or Will's father, Will and Jonathan's father, who is absentee and when he does pop up, he's only there for his own ends. Where, Mike's um, father was such an odd delivery as well as an actor. He was just, everything he said was kind of like, don't worry, darling. I'm sure it'll be Yeah, he's like, basically... Who the hell are you? He's basically like the dad from Uncle Book or something. Yeah. But he yeah. is that. He's, he's, the, he's like the and, stereotype And also continuing parents. the American sort of family tradition in television of how did he end up with her? Yes. Because she's ridiculously brilliant. Yes. And absolutely like gobsmackingly gorgeous. Yeah. And you look like you should have a pipe and a smoking jacket and be by the fireside. But it's, it's like Nancy says in one scene, like, <laughs> they were young, they bought a house at the end of a cul-de-sac, and they started yeah. a nuclear family. Yeah. That's what people did in the 80s, and it's the generation of the latchkey kids, so the kids are just going out whatever time they want, mm-hmm. the parents haven't really bothered about what's happening, like, Nancy's doing stuff with Steve, there's a scene where Who, she... Who's kind of fun, and then a twat... He's and been, then starts to earn your trust back again. Yeah, I think Steve's a really great character because he yeah. takes that bully stereotype. Yeah. And, I, I and like then that, yeah. You see that moment where he goes, fucking hell, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being an absolute dick. And then Although he turns around to his friends, he's like, you guys, are, you guys are idiots. Why am I spending my time with you? And then just jets off. Yeah, with them sort of calling him out yeah. and trying to make him feel small. And he has to try and make and then he try he spends the rest of the sh- like the episode and a half after that trying to make up for everything he's done. And Although ends up- admittedly, that point in the alleyway where he's finally getting like his face pummeled oh, I loved was it. incredibly satisfying I loved at it. that point in his story. It was like, yes! Because he's such a prick up to that point. Oh, he's so God. smug. But then, how can someone be that smug when they're wearing that much hairspray? As the layers peel back again, lots of layers peeling back. Mr. the chemicals. <laughs> Shush. All the layers peeling back in this show. Um, as the layers of Steve's character start to peel back, then you see why Nancy is so is so attracted to him and what she sees in him. Um, because at the at the end of the show, Nancy does end up with Steve, doesn't end up with Jonathan, which is kind of what's telegraphed. Well, that's what would happen in a you know a ninety minute eighties monster movie. Yeah. She'd end up with the weirdo kid because she's like, oh, he's got hidden depths. But no, she doesn't. She it's stays like, yeah, he does have hidden depths, but he also still took a photo of you while you were having yeah. sex with the dude. She stays. She stays. And with you've been Steve. through some shit, and you'll stay good friends, but there is yeah. no need for this to become a romantic storyline between you two at all. And because Steve also has hidden depths, yes, so he's got past his jock asshole phase. Um, and it's suggested even puts toward the replacement camera or buys it outright. Or buys it or outright. Like, um, which is really freaking sweet. So it's like, yay! And it's... Um, <laughs> no, Jonathan, whatever you do, don't go taking photos of people when they yeah. don't know while they're having sex. Um, um, so, yes. Uh, the, oh, God, the... Uh, <laughs> but the, all the, the, the child actors, so Finn Wolfhard as Mike, Millie Bobby Brown as Eleven, um, Gaten Matarazzo as Dustin, and Kayla McLaughlin as, as Lucas. Just... <laughs> they're amazing! The thing, the thing, we They're just see, we, amazing. We don't see as much of him, but like the lad who plays Will is pretty damn good as well. Oh, um, Plus, he sort of gets this whole thing of he gets a series, a whole series about his character. But he isn't there. And he's barely in it. Yeah. Um, no, although, although, and we can talk a bit more about this in a bit, but like, like, I wouldn't be surprised if series two was about Will. Well, they've, they've spoken... Because there is that sort of blatant cliffhanger at the end. Yeah. Which again, isn't there to sort of go... Uh-huh. Come back next time. 
it could it's like the ending of one of those movies you get the surprise ending where the slasher's hand comes out of the water yeah or, or like you know that's like, the ending of Nightmare Na- Na- yeah Nancy's mum gets um, dragged through the door or, or like there's something at the end that makes you go it's not over yet and it doesn't necessarily mean we need a sequel it's just like a <gasps> the horror's not done kind of yeah. ending um however the creators have confirmed there is a series two Netflix has yet to confirm it so let's not Popped open the champagne just yet. It's going to get, but let's two. put it on ice. <laughs> the the Duffer Brothers have already talked about it, and yeah. they've already I, said it's, it's going to be. It's got to be Will's story, though. Surely. It's going to be the same characters, mm. but it, because of the young actors are aging very quickly. Because, time skip because that there's probably going to be a time skip. Yeah, it's probably going to be more like a sequel than a second season. Is so how would, they it would carry it. something on. Yeah. It's not. It's not because well, the thing. It, the thing I thought originally that it was it was good, it lent itself to be an anthology show, mm. but then True Detective tried that and failed miserably. Mm. Like True Detective second season, no one ever talks about it because no one finished watching it. <laughs> I didn't even start because it, by the time it because it started obviously it started over in the states before it started over here, and it just got such a pummeling. <laughs> I hear. I hear it was basically unwatchable. Damn. Which is. Insane because that first season is of True Detective, the same team behind it, apart from the cast, same writer. Interesting. Same writer, di- different directors on every episode, as mm. opposed to Kerry Fukugawa. Is it Fukugawa? Oh, so basically, was... so basically, the writer challenged himself a bit too much. Yeah, he tried um, to distance himself from what he'd done so much. That maybe it, it wasn't appealing, but, and um, you also didn't have a consistent vision throughout the series like you did with series one. See, that's part of the reason why I don't like American Horror Stories, because they just sort of, they pick a, they pick a setting, and then they throw about eight concepts into well, it. Well, the problem, the problem you had with, with, um... I'd love American, I'd love American Detective. Horror Story if it was, like, four yeah, episodes of series. Really inconsistent. If it was, like, four episodes it's of series, long, yeah. and those four episodes were one thing. Like, you're in an asylum, right, make it be an asylum with either a Nazi experiment past, or an asylum with an alien tie-in, or an asylum that's haunted. Like, pick one thing don't be like aliens and vampires and bears oh my like they, have, you know. they usually have a uniting theme though like the first season yeah but like the idea was... that all of these freaking things happen to these same characters in this small space of time just seems a bit like but they're not it doesn't know they're, they're the same actors but they're playing different characters no 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 i mean in, in each season like oh each, each, series, mean, yeah. each series sort of typically takes place over the course of a couple months and all this stuff happens see i've only seen the first season all the way through and yeah it, it, that, that that didn't strike me as much of a problem with that it felt quite focused on hauntings and but then you have yeah. like subplots where like bloody um oh what's the actor's name i bloody love him as well the guy from uh eric stone street uh like oh, we, yeah. we have him like he you have this whole thing growing up thinking this boogeyman was trying to kill him and then it doesn't tie into anything else that was just his psychosis but the, yeah but then at the end he gets killed by some burglars by accident yeah i think it was the boogeyman but it ties into nothing after that and it tied into nothing during it and it's like well, that, that's an anthology. If you want an anthology, have your anthology cake. Have yeah. your anthology cake. That could have been an episode. Which they kind of do for, um, yeah. for over the thing. But I think the, the problem that True Detective had was that Kerry Fukunaga really was the... The anchor. Was the anchor for the first series because he directed the whole thing. Yeah. Well, it gives it a consistent tone. Like, mm-hmm. you'd think by series two, they'd either go, we need you again, yeah. or we need someone to fill his boots and have one person be one voice. But then after that, he goes off to do the It remake. Yeah. Which he ended up not being able to do. Yeah. Damn it. So then someone else 
they got a bunch of different directors for a second season of True Detective and it didn't work. So if the Duffer Brothers wanted to make it an wanted to make Stranger Things an anthology, which is with a title like Stranger Things, kind of lends itself to that. Yeah, like you could do that. You could if it's them in charge, I think they'd be able to get away with it. Um, but they've already said they're going to stay with the same characters, and it's going to be, I say, more of a sequel than a um, than a, a, than a, than a direct continuation. Um, sort of a young justice kind of thing of like we're skipping we'll see we'll see well, we'll see. What... they're obviously going to tie in certain plot threads like it's going to depend Ele- on Eleven when... and, and the, the, the sort of Shadow Realm thing is that they're going to have to do something with that especially and if they're still connected to it somehow they've also implied that Dr. Benner isn't dead the villain yeah the, the sort of villain um, I mean, he never gets to really do anything villainous on see, that's another, I think that's another great performance from Matthew Modine because he says oh, we have no idea what he he's about he says really. very little yeah. but he does an awful lot with his face mm. like an awful lot of uh, particularly early in the series pretty much everything you see of him is, is flashbacks from Eleven of just him watching her just watches her but then we have that brilliant scene where he's, he's at um, Mike and Nancy's yeah. parents house and he just sort of calmly sways them round and yeah. it's just this whole it feel it's like the devil in disguise it's that thing of like no 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 like everything he's saying sounds brilliant like he's gonna help and he's gonna take care of your kids but no 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 he, and it's like he has, he has to kill them to keep his secret he's gonna do that he has a clear affection for Eleven yeah but we can't tell whether but it is paternal not, yeah, it's or not, whether it's oh my work my I, yeah work. I don't think it's an affection for her as a person yeah I think it's an affection for her as, a, as an achievement as an experiment hmm. which the same which, affection you would have for a trophy which is why you get that wonderful moment in the last episode, mm-hmm. where um, he tries to take her yeah. after she's been weakened from fending everyone off. Um, he tries to take her, and she turns away from him mm-hmm. while he's holding her, and she reaches for Mike, and he's calling for Mike, and it's mm-hmm. like, she's been out there for a week. Yeah, because that's the other thing, the show only takes place yeah. over the course of a week. It's, it's a real quick one. Um, she's She has been so changed by the by the the way she's been treated by Mike and his friends, that she knows that there's something better. So this person that's been looking after her all life, who she calls Papa, she's then able to turn away from him, again, to a tremendous strength for a child, and and, and reach for Mike. Um, it's, and it's also a bit of an E.T. callback as well. Um, well. We didn't see, just under the under under the frame in the shot, is Mike was just wiggling a, a packet of Eggos. It's like, Eggos. <laughs> it's like, to me. Um... I've never had an ego, but I feel like I should go and that see such, if we've got that any. That's such a nice touch. Um, and, that, and that's what that's why I wouldn't be surprised that sequel follow-up series being a sequel. Um, that's why I'd be surprised if they didn't bring back at least the element of what um, Will's connected to and Eleven, because there's such a nice little. Um, well, there's two epilogues at the end of the series. The second one's the one where Will flashes back to that other realm briefly. The upside down. The upside down. And, um... Vomits up a little slug. Yeah. Which is lovely. Uh, and, yeah. um... And, but obviously the previous one to that is, uh, the chief, um... Uh, grabbing some Tupperware, putting a load of chicken from, like, the work... The Christmas the work Christmas party, yeah. Into the Tupperware. And you think, what a dick. He's just, like, going, what a dick. Like you spend some time with your employees. What a di- and then he goes to a box in the woods and puts the Tupperware chicken and the packet of Eggos in there and closes it. And you're like, D- 
is that what they spoke about with him in the in the thing? Like, mm-hmm. is, is there a possibility she's still out there? Yeah, because we know that he's had... or is she out there for definite? But like, she's she's not. Gonna he's come clearly to made town. some sort of deal with the Men in Black. I do, I do like the almost like the almost yeah. realistic or non non um, like hero bargaining of like, look, yeah. we're not going to tell anyone. Although some we're stuff, not going to expose you at all. We just want the kid back. Public after. Mm. I think I'd have to check the newspaper clippings. At the well, no, the, it says like where boy returns from the grave yeah. and stuff. Um, so. so certain things have to go public, but I think and Harper I think really he, faces. I think they, a... kept, they kept their word pretty much. Like they've not exposed the story or anything. He does face an amazing lack of consequences mm. for a lot of his actions, which I'm glad of because I like the character and I'm glad he doesn't get killed off. But yeah. he breaks in, and they just take him home. Yes. Well, they, they, they take him home and try and make him look like he's a delirious nutter. But everyone already knows that he's yeah. Which I don't. Think, I don't has, think they know. Yeah, that he has which is a, brilliant a because problem. it sort of works to his advantage. He's like, "All oh, right, so I'm, I'm back to the first square yeah. on the snakes yeah. and ladders board." Then, like I am at the start of every day, smash him. Um, <laughs> I do. Is I Jim like is Jim Hopper named after Arnold's uh, friend who we only see skinned in Predator? <laughs> Probably Jim Hopper. Jim Hopper. Jim Hopper. Get to the Hopper. I wouldn't be surprised, to be perfectly honest. Is Nancy named after... Nancy from Elm Street, surely. Yeah, she's got to be. She's got to be. Has to be. Um, um, fact, I can't remember the name of the kids from Stand By Me, but I wouldn't be surprised if one maybe. of the four kids has the same name. Um, um, <laughs> oh, on the subject, Finn Wolfhard. Yes. Who is Mike. Which is a great name. He's in the It remake. Is he? Yes, he's playing Richie. In, oh, nice! In, in, in part um, one. In part one. <laughs> um, so there's serious connections. He's, he's actually the only cast member to still be on board from the Kerry Fukunaga. Um, a version of the thing. Oh, yeah, right. I guess con- scheduling conflicts and also casting not being complete kind of meant that a lot of the cast didn't come back. Will Poulter was still apparently first choice mm, for when for the new director ones. came on, uh, but they couldn't because of the, obviously the movie had changed. Yeah, scheduling didn't work out anymore. Yeah, um, but Finn, Finn Wolfhard's come across, and he's still, and he's he's Richie, which is currently, oh, so he's brilliant. currently filming that. <laughs> um, the uh, oh, it's just it's great use of flashbacks in this show. All the stuff that I, Eleven's flashback uh, history slowly being filled in by her seeing things. Yeah, day, like day it's all recall then, memory based yeah, on objects and, and the Coca Cola crushing the can oh, and the man. cat hitting at her and being asked to kill the cat and the first time she kills when she uh, throws the orderlies off her um, and like the bathtub stuff uh, it's just it's really it's really strong stuff the, the favourite <laughs> use of flashbacks in the whole show yeah. is the climax where Hopper's trying to resuscitate Will and it just cuts back and it's to cutting the back and forth to him resuscitating Will and, and he's just watching his daughter die and trying to save Will and it's oh just that moment God. where he just like he just gives you, he starts pounding on Will's chest he's like so determined not like in terms <laughs> it's just they've got so Netflix is so good at casting they cast really great actors to do really great stuff and they apparently they now have a magical talent for finding amazing child actors because <laughs> I don't oh man just the stuff with the stuff with with Will asking Elle to go to the snowball, and that first kiss, and then all the stuff, all the stuff with Dustin and Lucas and and Will and uh, Mike. Sorry, not Will. Uh, Mike asking to go to the yeah. snowball. Um, but there's stuff with Mike and Will and Justin and, and and Lucas, and then later Eleven, 
just interacting and being children. Oh, like God, the Dungeons and Dragons games and the... Uh, oh, God, the, the opening to the series and yeah. like the ending to the series. It's yeah, just like, yeah. oh, good Lord, this and is just amazing. everything with Dustin, every time Dustin opens his mouth. He's amazing. <laughs> He's so good. I love that kid so much. It's like, oh, <laughs> Dustin, you're adorable. Um... But also kind of badass as well. Like yeah, he just doesn't give great. a fuck. Like I, I, I wrote down last night. I wouldn't forget it. My favorite quote is from him. It was our friend has superpowers and just squeezed your tiny bladder with her mind. She's so he's so good. Oh, he man. has all the best lines. And you, you get you get three satisfying because one one type of character I just hate in movies. Yeah, yeah. Is the school bully. And there's two of them. And the eighties, two sets. Of the eighties is full of them. Yeah. King's work. Is full oh, of Oh, yes. Like, it's just a thing. The, the sort of bullies where you like, the dickheads, and then they always push it too far. Yeah. And usually, that ends up being the death of a character and the turning point for another protagonist. Well, you, again, or it ends up being them getting some form of comeuppance. In this show, you got three really satisfying comeuppance scenes. Yes. In the form of um, uh, the bully of the, the main kids. Like, Troy. Troy. Being made to piss himself <laughs> by L. Which was brilliant, um, and the fact his mate just leaves him. Yeah, it's like what the hell? Uh, um, whatever. Uh, but and then when you then when you see his mum at the police station like, <laughs> after the second time, and you suddenly go, oh my god! The reason he gets away with all the shit is his mum's just like a well-to-do person who doesn't really pay attention to a kid. She's like, like so oh, many bullies. Any, anything you want, darling. Anything you want. Like just giving him. He's like, mum, I'm going to the mall. She's like, here's fifty dollars. And he's like, great. And he doesn't like want for anything because he gets away with everything. Yeah. Um, then the second one is um, Steve getting beaten the fuck on by Jonathan. Oh my which god, was that was really so satisfying. satisfying. Um, but also really serves, like I said before, it serves as a, as a turning point for Steve. Yeah. Which then allows Steve to break out of that sort of Dick, space. Decanery, if you yeah. will. And, and become a better character. And then third um, one is Troy having his arm broken. Oh, <laughs> it's such a great moment as well of just Mike leaping off the cliff. Which we've been told is a lethal drop. Yeah. It's like this wonderful... There's so much good foreshadowing in this show. Yes. Like they, 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 there's never anything that they... That, that they set up that they don't pay off mm. it's very good for that um you know they're not leaving well anything. there are some fans who online who believe one thing wasn't paid off to their satisfaction and i didn't quite get it but which it is amuses what? me it amuses me that they're this passionate about it okay, there is a movement okay. online all right called justice for barb oh barb was great why, now, why Bob, do you want Justice for Bob? Bob was Nancy's friend. Who, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Basically was the only sensible one who was like, he's just using you for your pussy. Basically, that's all this is about. That Get just, out of there. That just wants to play Squirrel Girl. I would be completely fine uh, with that. She's like, I want to play Squirrel Girl in a Marvel movie. Make a Squirrel Girl movie. I would be so fine with that. Uh, um... Or at least put her in like one of the Netflix shows. Yeah, Have Squirrel Girl debut in a Netflix oh, show in a, in a super peppy episode of one of the less peppy shows. Like a Jessica Jones episode based around Squirrel Girl yeah. would be brilliant. Because it would I'd be such that. this brilliant juxtaposition between the two of them. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun to watch, I think. Yep. Um, yep. So, yep. Bob gets... But Nancy basically is like, look, I'm without, in no uncertain terms, essentially goes, I'm going to go upstairs and shag Steve. Uh, yeah. Why don't you go home? It's like, like I'm you, fine. you basically, you're my best friend, but I've essentially just treated you as a lift for this yeah. evening. So why don't you go home? And she goes outside and she's cut around from before and she's just sat on the diving board, dipping her feet in the water and she's clearly having a think. And she, you know, teenage, teenage, broody, brood. And then something gets her and then she's in the uh, upside down and she presumably gets killed. 
And she definitely gets killed. Well, a lot of people think she didn't. Or a lot of people are like, no, that's not satisfying enough. No one cared about her after that. No, Nancy's entire motivation for at least two episodes is trying to find Barb. Yeah, that's how she gets involved in everything. And then in episode seven, with the uh, the makeshift um, sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, Elle finds... The first thing Nancy asks from Elle Barb, is, where's Barb? Like, find Barb. And you get a definitive answer to what happened to Barb. She dead. She dead. Now we don't see her in the the um, the upside down proper. We see her in Eleven's visions when she can yeah. when she focuses on things. But based on the other corpses we see in the upside down, Barb is probably in the swimming pool, dead. She's clearly dead. She's possibly Don't... devoured a bit because you, you you never see like the torso of all the bodies. Or something hatched from her. But something's definitely in her because one of those yeah. slugs crawls out of her mouth. And Eleven says to Nancy, gone. She's gone, yeah, she's gone, she's dead. Now other people are going, justice for Bob, because they're like, why don't we see any fallout? Why don't we see her family trying to find her? Why don't we see... And it's like, they just never got around to that bit yet. Yeah, but also... That's going to happen next. Like that, that's the, that's the traumatising, horrific thing that happens in the month gap between the end of the episode and the epilogues. But also, <laughs> the official story on Barbara, mm-hmm. as of... As far as we know, yeah. is that the, the lab have made it look like she's run away. Of course they did. They take they take her car and they drop it at the bus station, and it make it's made to look like she's just run away. So done a runner. So people going justice for Barb. Like they need to say what happened to her. Really? No, we don't know. Well, we don't. How are they going to do that? The only people who are aware of everything that went on are the small group who are in the school and who go into the upside down at the end. Like just that group. That group of like ten people are the only ones who know what happened. When we we only see Barb's mum start to show some concern when Nance phones, but she's mm. already been gone for a day at that point. Yeah, and she's just presumed that she's yeah with she's Nancy stayed over at Nance because yeah. that was again latchkey kids. You just got to do what you wanted. That's mm. how Will got into the whole mess in the first place. Yeah, don't have mobile phones um, back in those days. It wasn't the case. No of mobile like, phones. Just give me a text. Let me know who you are. It was more a case of yeah. well, I trust you're sensible enough. Don't come back too late. Yeah. If you're going to stay at a friend's, call from their house and let me know. Also, we're adults and we kind of can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, so it's, a case, it's very much a case of we don't know what Barbara's mother knows. Yeah. Does she think she's missing? I mean, maybe Does she that, resent maybe, her for running off? Maybe that could grieving? be a plot point of series two. I maybe, think it prob- I think that'd be a guilt carryover. Barb's mum is like still sort of campaigning, campaigning that she, one day she'll come home. Maybe there's like a national media. Thing yeah, maybe she's like, got missing, missing. Get home. Meanwhile, Nancy is like racked with guilt because she knows what happened, and there's no way she can tell her because no one will ever believe them. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you tell? How do you tell someone that your daughter was taken by an interdimensional being into its lair, possibly eaten, and is definitely dead? Yeah, she's dead. <laughs> she did. Barbara did. She's killed by an inter- interdimensional beast. Yeah. Like, what do you say to that? <laughs> like, how do you even begin to explain that to someone? <laughs> especially well, with a hashtag, apparently. Especially, just to, especially to an adult in the world of the eighties who has no sort of exposure to genre fiction. Nope. Or the power like of science. Like, like the kids accept things really easily because they're big Dungeons and Dragons and sci-fi nerds. Yeah. There's loads of Star Wars references. They've, they've, got, they've got an encouraging science teacher who's completely behind their passions. Yeah, he's a massive nerd and who he's showing his who, girlfriend the thing. Yeah, which, 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 is a, which is a problem for him because there was something really nice about the scene. I'm sure his girlfriend was the lady at the supermarket who the manager talks to when they're trying to get oh, rid of Eleven. I'll have to go back like, and check that. It was just that like, was a haircut. I was yeah. just like, I'm sure it's the same thing. But which I thought was quite nice because if it is her, that's a nice little nod to basically go, 
yeah, this is a small town. Yeah, everyone knows everyone, yeah. Which is really nice. But also, I love the fact that essentially that scene is him trying to get laid by explaining the thing to her. And she, it's working. Like, she's but it's also that thing of like showing they, this girl a scary movie so she could look, could look Exactly. Yeah. So the science teacher's not just kooky science teacher. Like He's just as dorky as they are. And then, he's just a lot smoother now that he's older. And then Dustin calls him. And Dustin, and like, <laughs> Dustin freaking cock blocks him. How do you build a sentry deprivation tank? It's 10 o'clock on Saturday night. I really need to know right now. And then they build it. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's really Oh, it's so good. I freaking loved it. Um, Let's talk about the Upside Down for a moment. Yeah. Um. So... Because this is this is stuff that the, the series leaves vague on purpose, because it's up to your imagination, but they give you enough clues. Mm. So it seems like there is one creature that lives in that dimension. There is one entity. Uh, one predator, sir. One, one predator. Because um, I was wondering whether or not those slugs are just sort of microbes that live there or whatever. But yeah. there is other biological stuff. Because when they find Will, he's in the public library. Yeah. And he's cocooned in the wall, like in Aliens. And he's got a breather on. Which, when they pull it off, it's this fleshy, organic sort of oxygen thing. Which, when they pull it off, they pull it out. And it's like in his lungs, like it's a proper tendril kind of thing is that, going is in that there. How the which is very alien as well. Like, is it storing them for food? Is that what it does? Is it breeding? Because we see it eat things, but it only seems to eat things that are bleeding. Which is what we presume happened to Barb. And we don't see all of Barb's body when we see it. We just see a close-up of her face and the mound of stuff that is, she's in. Um, is it is it a breeding thing? Is that why Spout slugs? Or is that a separate thing? Because obviously the... Because I can't remember what it's actually called, but everyone calls it the Demogorgon, don't yeah. they? After the monster. It, it doesn't have a proper name. That gets hold of Will because it finds him in his treehouse in the Upside Down. Yeah. But then he's cocooned. It's like, so... It's put him there, presumably. Is that thing on his face another thing? Is there another creature there that like has something to do with the slugs? There's certainly or... some sort of ecosystem because there's multiple. But that was brilliant because I mean, what a terrifying idea that there is a world exactly like ours that's just got these insects and these like pods and this slime. It's dark, but it's clearly it's, a... it's dark and it's cold, and it's clearly a dead world. And it's yeah, it's like there's nothing there. Like, yeah, it's, it's almost almost ours, but certain things aren't there. Like there might be an object in our world that isn't there in that one, but yeah. there'll, there'll be furniture that's there and things like that. And there is one predatory beast in the whole of it wandering around. That's a creepy ass idea. Mm. Because that implies that before they opened up a gateway, because I'm assuming it's the gateway was opened up. Eleven was initially just an experiment to sort of get information on Soviet oh, yeah, things yeah, yeah. like that. Like the whole Demogorgon thing was studies, accident. Yeah, yeah, in their studies they're like, oh god, we found something else. Quick, push for that. Find out what you can find. Yeah. A gate opens in the well, thing. You, and you, you see that? Because yeah. she, she's first found on the but, Russian dude and she senses it. But based on the corpses and based on how it feeds, I wonder where else it has crawled out of. Yeah. Because it must have other access to our but, world. Was the upside down like the one in the woods? Like Eleven didn't create that. I was just there. Was the upside down always the upside down, or was it just an alternate dimension that became something else? Like this infestation, yeah. this creature. Is, now, it, is it like post-apocalyptic, the mirror version of our world? Is because they all there as well. Are it? there multiple upside downs? Oh my like God. what's the deal? <laughs> 
I don't know, but if they could explain it by referencing X-Men, that would be great. Yeah. The amount of X-Men references. They love it. They love it. They freaking love X-Men, these kids. X-Men and Tolkien, like, was referenced more than anything in terms of explaining the science Bit of to Star each Wars. other. Bit of Star Wars. Bit Star Wars. That was, no, that was social politics. Like the Lando thing. <laughs> yeah, they're worried about the, they're worried about it being a Lando plot. <laughs> oh, God. I love also, that. you can't fight a monster with a wrist rocket. It's like sending R2-D2 to fight Darth Vader. <laughs> it's brilliant. Although they have a damn good try at trying to kill, uh, kill the Demogorgon with the uh, catapult. Again, another bit of it. Very 80s. Yeah. And a very, very sophisticated catapult as well. Like so it's with, not, a, with a wrist brace. It's a wrist rocket. Ah, is that, oh, is that what they were called? Like that that's, what called. that's what it's called. Ah, mince. Um, also, <laughs> everyone having free access to loads of guns. Yes. It's like Nansen. Jonathan just got loaded up, up on artillery. Yeah. And the guy's like, what are you guys doing? That was so just, good. Just monster hunting. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> like, like, just, no one cared. No one cared then. No one cared in the 80s. <laughs> It's only in the 90s everyone started to care about everything. That was when people got pissy. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the upside down stuff, it's just this, it it doesn't, it's, I'm satisfied, like, I would be satisfied if that was it for Stranger Things. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be satisfied, because I love all those characters so much and I want to see more of them. Yeah. But if they didn't make any more Stranger Things, I think what we've got is a really, it answers enough questions to not, to not leave me unsatisfied. Mm. But it also leaves enough open there's that a, I would be able to There's a couple of trails at the end that make you go, I wonder where that'll lead. Yeah. But you don't need to know. It's more a case of that. But it's like the yeah. ending of the thing. Yeah. It's Which like, is like... Yeah, it, well, yeah. It just, they just... Spoilers for the thing. Go and watch the thing if you haven't seen it. <laughs> it's my favourite movie. You should watch it. Um, it's... You know, it just ends with McCready and Childs in the snow. Watching everything burn down, they're probably going to freeze to death. And there, there are Dark Horse did a series of sequel comics. Yeah, they're not very good. No, they're really um, not. Which... They're really not. I've read one of them. <laughs> with oh, they're not good with the with McCready's adventures after. Yeah, they basically turn McCready into eighties action hero yeah. fighting monsters. Yeah, it's not good. Which he really isn't. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> he's just a pissed off scientist. Um, like, he's... well, he's not even a scientist. He's just a pilot. Yeah, well, he's, he's not a pilot. He, but he, he's, he's, not he's, like, he's not the sort of dude who would like drag drag around a duffel bag full of machine guns. And... Well, I mean, maybe he was changed by his experiences, but even so, so yeah. It's yeah just but like... even Ash is still a dick. Like well, Ash is still the same dude. He just happens to have a chainsaw hand now. But it's um. <laughs> You know, it is that thing of just even leaving. Even nice, it was like, take that down. Like, he's yeah. making it worse. It's like, no, even that doesn't make it worse. Evil Dead makes things better. Uh, but <laughs> it, is that, it is that sense of the story's over, but nothing's ever really over. Like, things are going to continue for these characters. And in this new world, they found themselves in. All right, they don't find themselves in a literal new world, but their their perceptions have been widened. So nothing's ever really going to be the same. But... Are we going to see more of that story? Maybe, maybe not. That's not the point. The point is that we got the story we got and these characters went on this journey and they found themselves. It doesn't matter if we ever see... I mean, I want to, but it doesn't matter if we ever see the kids again or we ever see see Nance and and Steve or we ever see uh, Hopper and Joyce or whatever. I will say this. It's done. I will say this. If they do come back, learn from your own formula... Stick to eight episodes. Don't try and expand. That was brilliant because yeah, look, it was look at beautifully done. People do like to complain about 
um, the Marvel Netflix series being a bit, little bit bloated. Well, rewatching, rewatching Daredevil this past couple of weeks, we realised it's around that eleven, you, it, ten, or eleven, isn't it? It's, Just before it kicks up into high gear. You, well, well, it's not, it's not that it's sort of episodes like nine and ten are solid. I mean, one of those is the Nelson versus Murdoch episodes. Yeah, so yeah. It's episodes that you really need, and as a whole, everything's definitely needed. But there is probably stuff you could trim to reduce it by at least two episodes, maybe yeah. three. Um, I think eight episodes for this was really tight. You mm. got in, you established everyone, you got to know all the characters really quickly because of fantastic performances from everyone on the screen. I mean, so, that, that, that's coming from the point of view of, I mean, you with Stranger Things and me with Daredevil, having both binged and, like, yeah. as spread out watched it. Um, Stranger Things has a perfect runtime, but the things with Stranger Things, eight is perfect. You could even, like, if you wanted to, you could have taken the whole concept and knocked it down into, like, a two and a bit hour movie. Yeah. And it would work. Like, it wouldn't have the same lasting effect, but I think it would still be a pretty damn good thing. Yeah. But we get to grow with these guys and we get to learn who they all are and and absolutely fall in love with this group of adorable teenagers who are just so They're amazing. They're all amazing. They're brilliant. I I just... (sighs) Stranger Things. What would we rate it out of... what, What would you rate it? Uh, between 10 and 10. I give it... I give it 10 um, Stephen King adaptations out of 10. I give it 10 boxes of Egos out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Stranger Things. It's really good. It's Go well watch it. Time. You swines. And uh, if you have watched it, what do you think? Let us know. know. Big damn contact at Gmail. Dot com. That's a big damn contact. Gmail. We'll ask you about that next week, you handsome gags. Bother us on Twitter. You yeah. know where to find us. Your prodders. Prodders in our prod holes. Um, Dirty swines. Do, pro, yeah, if you if you know who we are, get in touch. Yeah, and if you don't know who we are, we don't want to know who you are. It's <laughs> a new slogan. If you don't know who we are, we don't want to know who you are. Don't want to know you. We are... We are the youth of the nation. We are, we are the youth of the nation. <laughs> we are, we are the youth of... Who was that by? I don't know. P.O.D.? I think I'm making it up. Is it song with P.O.D., is it? Is it P.O.D.? We are the youth of the nation. Ah, I, I feel so alive. I don't know. Is the... For the very first time. By someone from the... I can't deny Early you. 2000s. I feel so alive. He's probably on Karang a lot. <laughs> So alive for the very first time. The only Christian band, Christian new metal band. Really? Yeah. I feel sad now. Me too. We'll see you later, you handsome swines. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Doesn't leave you many options. Uh. <laughs> 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 Get away from me! <laughs>